This past week was hard. Jen was sick and in bed, not feeling very well. And Catherine, on the other hand, was her normal high energy self, running around and being a typical two-year-old. And I could feel the tension in the house slowly rising and rising. I had a long list of things that I needed to do, but the longer the day went, the further and further behind I fell. Then Catherine had one of those two-year-old nuclear meltdowns, tears and all, and it was the final straw as she just began to scream at the top of her lungs. I lost it, and I just yelled, shut up. Then I heard the audible voice of God from the other room. Okay, well, actually, it was my amazing wife, but I just heard her yell, watch your tone. And I just immediately felt this shame and just, oh, I can't believe that's not how I want to be gracious and loving towards my little daughter. And that's not how I am when I'm at church. You see, sometimes by default, we give other people the best of ourselves, while those at home get the leftovers. They see the true versions of us, and it's, and it's not always the best version of me. You see, what I'm trying to say is that even in the stress of life, when everything is just rising, 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 it is then that our actions matter. Who we are and, and what oozes out of us matters. And parenting is hard. Relationships and marriage are hard. Shoot, life is hard. Because when the pressure comes, we often give our best at work. And we let our guard down at home or in the car or around the people that we are closest to. They see us warts and all. But, but it's, it's not just those that are closest to us that are watching. I mean, they feel the brunt of it, but others are watching too. Outsiders are watching us too. And even if you don't think that they're watching, they are. Because how we treat each other is a part of our witness. You see, when people see us fighting, they don't want to be a part of that team. And we may say, not my circus, not my monkeys. But sometimes it is our circus and sometimes it is our monkeys. And even in the midst of all of this outside pressure and persecution, we've got to work together to love each other. That's when teamwork truly matters. If you're a sports team, you've seen it. When teams start to lose, that's when the fights break out on the sidelines. But that's when it matters. Are they going to rally and come back or are they going to disintegrate? We know that the kind of team that we want to be a part of is a team that holds together. That's the kind of team and community and church that people are looking for. And yet, yet it's so hard to find. Brennan Manning says, the greatest single cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips, but walk out the door and deny him with their lifestyle. This is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. You see, we've all been there. Have you ever been stabbed in the back by a close friend? Maybe it was even by a believer. And, and you just feel the hurt and like, just oh, that knife. It just, we have been there. 
It hurts it and, and we can't or we won't forgive it or can't let it go because it's just been so painful. And we've all felt like Julius Caesar when he uttered those famous words, et tu brute? Which literally translates, and you too, Brutus? Exclaiming on seeing his best friend there among his assassins. And I'm sure that you've been there. We've all been hurt. We've all been discouraged. We've all witnessed some level of hypocrisy, whether it's in the church or in another setting. And it's part of every aspect of life. And the church isn't exempt. Well, this morning, we're going to be looking at the Apostle Peter, one of the closest followers of Jesus, who knew what this was like. And so he has some powerful words for us from his own personal experience. You see, he knew what it was like to be betrayed by a friend when Judas betrayed all of them. Even more, he knew what it was like to betray. He knew how much our actions matter in our witness. And so we're going to pick up the words from 1 Peter 3, 8 through 16. It's one of the last books of the Bible. And this letter was written around 62 AD, after the fall of Jerusalem, around the time of Nero, who was one of the most cruel persecutors of Christians. And Peter was in Rome. And Christians are being persecuted. And in, in this letter is written shortly before Peter himself would be put to death. And you can feel the pressure outside building. You can feel that people are being persecuted by a pagan world. But those same people are also watching. They're watching to see how will the Christians respond. And it's here that Peter picks up and utters these powerful words, starting in verse 8. Finally, all of you, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing, because to this you were called, so that you may inherit a blessing. For whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. And always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience, so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. Now, there are three keys that I want us to see here today. And the first is this, how we treat people matters. In verses 8 to 9, Peter instructs his readers to, to treat others, to treat one another with compassion and sympathy, repaying evil with blessing. 
You see, our ability to engage well with, with those outside of the church begins inside the church, in our interactions with our brothers and sisters in Christ. You see, if we are harsh and unkind or mean with others, Christians, why would the world believe what we say about our faith? It's important that we're compassionate to those around us, that we watch our tone. The command that Peter uh, gives here in verses 8 and 9 are not simply a suggestion, but things that something that we are called to. That, that's, that it's something that inspires us, that it drives us forward. It is a part of what God calls us to do and to be in our world. And this is different from what our world and our sinful nature tells us to do. When we get hit on this cheek, fight back is what our instincts tell us to do. Being able to resist insult with an insult is an evidence that our hope is placed in something other than our current circumstances. That's going to catch a person's attention and make them curious about our convictions. Now, you may be thinking that this is a naive way in dealing with power or dealing with inserts or people with weapons or people who are really out to harm us. But during the civil rights movement, many African-Americans were inspired by Martin Luther King Jr., a Christian pastor, to engage in nonviolent demonstrations, even in the face of profound violence and hate. There's this famous march across the Edmunds Pettus Bridge in Selma, Alabama, that was broadcast into homes all around the nation. And people saw the powerful witness of refusing to repay evil with evil. It was a prophetic witness that revealed truth. You see, the local sheriff, Jim Clark, didn't think it mattered how he treated people. He was going to teach them a lesson, and he had the power, and might makes right. Feeling justified, the police on horseback with clubs in hand brutally beat the crowd, literally beating some people unconscious. They used pepper spray and dogs, leaving innocent people wounded on the ground, earning the nickname Bloody Sunday. The world watched in horror, and those who thought they had the power thought they won the battle, but they lost the war. As a pastor, King knew the power of subversive love, which, as Peter says, repays evil with blessing. He knew that how you treat people matters, and the watching world took notice, and public opinion changed. You see, the second thing I want us to see this morning from this passage is that how you treat people matters. In verse 14, Peter urges his readers to not be afraid, but instead, in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. You see, when we have a proper understanding of who God is, we are able to give an answer, that we're able to live a different way and, and, to, and to share the hope that we have in verse 15. And, and this allows us to speak without fear. And without this, our efforts are meaning, are 
our effort to meaningfully stand firm in our conviction and persuade those outside of the church will be futile. But as we recognize Christ as Lord, we are able to stand firm and walk in what God has for us. We don't need to be afraid. We can have confidence in God and confidence that He is Lord over all and that we can then begin to treat people in a different way. That when people see the hope that we have, they will begin to ask questions so that when we do speak, God will give us the words to speak. That we, we may not have the perfect words or Christian phrases. In fact, it's often best to leave those at church. You see, it's just best to share from our hearts and that God will guide us, allowing our hearts to flow, allowing his heart to flow through us. And that's what it means to treat others well. Third, and the final thing I want us to see from this passage this morning is that how we treat other people matters. Wait, didn't I just say that? Let me share a story with you. There's a story of an old pastor who came to a difficult church that really had a troubled time with backbiting and infighting and, and kicking pastors out. And so on his very first Sunday, the, the preacher stood up and preached this amazing sermon on loving your neighbor and loving others as Christ loved the church. And the people were inspired. And they went home. And the next Sunday, this preacher came back. The same old man stood in front of the congregation and preached this amazing sermon on loving your neighbor and treating each other and loving each other as Christ loved the church. People were like, that's odd. And they talked amongst themselves. Wasn't that the same as last week? But they didn't say anything. Finally, on the third Sunday, the preacher stood up and preached an amazing sermon on loving your neighbor and loving each other as Christ loved the church. Finally, this older gentleman went up to him after church and said, Pastor, I think you've preached the same sermon three Sundays in a row. He just kind of smiled and he looked at him and he said, Oh, I know. And I'm going to keep preaching it until we start living it. Ouch! He knew that his words needed to soak deep in over and over. And that's exactly what Peter is saying here to us. How we treat people matters. And he keeps saying it over and over and over again and from different angles. He's driving this point home. Not only are we called to give an answer for the hope that we have, but we are called to do it with gentleness and respect in verse 15. And the fact that Peter feels the need to make this explicitly clear seems to indicate that this is not always very easy. I know it's not for me. Oftentimes, our natural instinct is to be defensive and disrespectful. And, and when the tension rises or when I feel someone attacking me, I want to attack back. But you see, this morning, this is where the rubber meets the road. It's so important that we share our faith, but we do it with, with the truth in love. Just like Jen said to me, you've got to watch your tone. How we act matters. And it matters to the Christians in our community, but it also matters to non-Christians. And it's so important to let us share the gospel in word and deed 
that we may love those around us and love them well. We know that it matters to us because because we've experienced when that hasn't worked. And in the same way, it matters to everyone all around us. And we've all been around someone who is arrogant and pushy. And it doesn't make you want to be around them, much less listen to anything that they have to say. So instead, let's be the kind of people who are curious, who are willing to lean in and ask good questions, to invite people to share their stories and to share and, and then after they've shared all and begun to open up to us, then in that moment, that's our opportunity to share the hope and the love that we have. As we close today, I want to challenge you to share your faith. That's what we've been talking about over the past couple of weeks and we're going to keep talking about over the next week or two because Easter is coming. In fact, it's only four weeks away. And Easter is the high point of the Christian calendar. And Easter is not just about Easter eggs and chocolates and bunny rabbits, but it's, it's about a life-changing message. It's the story of our Creator who loves us and is willing to go through hell to rescue us. And, and there's something that is so powerful that God is up to and, and God wants to invite us into this. You see, God is doing something and, and, and he did it on the cross 2,000 years ago and he raised from the dead and he wants to do that same thing inside of each and every one of us. And so this is our opportunity over the next couple of weeks to begin to pray for our neighbors, to pray for maybe a loved one who doesn't yet know Christ and to begin to ask and build relationships and say, God, would you give me the words to reach out to my neighbor? And then to begin to allow our actions and how we treat them to matter and to show respect. So let's, let's take a moment and think about who are a couple of people over the next five weeks that we can begin to pray for, to build relationships, and then eventually to begin to invite them Invite them to church. Invite them maybe to, to start watching online. Or just maybe even invite them, can I share my story with you of how Christ has made a difference in my life? Maybe you even want to share some of your doubts or places where you're struggling because we're not perfect. But then, then share how God has and is changing you and invite them to experience that same thing. Now, you may be sitting there this morning and thinking, but I don't know if I can do that. And, and I, know, I know that because I've been there too. I know that fear of like, I don't know if I'm going to have the right words. So as I close, I want to share a story that I heard this week about two little girls, Olivia and Elise. They tell the story about when they were four. And, and when they were at church and they heard the story of the gospel and they were so excited. They were so excited to experience this new faith and this new life that when they got in the car on the way home, they began to talk to their mom and they said, Mommy, we, we discovered the joy of Jesus. And they began to ask her about people in their life and said, Does grandma know Jesus? 
Yes, Grandma knows Jesus. What about Grandpa? Yes, Grandpa knows about Jesus. And they began to ask about each and every person in their life. And then finally, they asked about Uncle Martin. And their mom said, sadly, Uncle Martin doesn't know about Jesus. And he doesn't, he doesn't have a personal relationship with him. And the girls were so sad. And so as soon as they got home, they asked their mom, Mom, can we call Uncle Martin? Well, of course you can call Uncle Martin. So they picked up the phone and they called Uncle Martin. And these two twin four-year-old cute little girls just began to ask Uncle Martin about Jesus. And they began to ask him about whether he had a relationship with him. And he was honest and he said, no, no, I don't. And they, but they shared, they said, but Uncle Martin, we're going to go to heaven someday. And we're going to be with Jesus. And we're going to have a tea party and cupcakes and chocolates. And, and we want you to be with us because we love you. Now, I just love the four-year-old's view of heaven with tea and cupcakes and chocolates. I kind of want to go to that too, don't you? But they invited Uncle Martin to experience Jesus. And then he was honest with them. And he said, you know, I'm just not ready. I don't think I'm there. And so they said, okay. And they hung up. But it didn't, it didn't end there. They, the girls said they immediately got on their knees and began to pray. And then over the next couple of weeks, they would pray and they would call their Uncle Martin or they would talk to him every time they got a chance. And they just kept inviting him. And they said, because we want you to know that we love you. And this went on for weeks and months. And then over a year later, Uncle Martin said, you know what? I think I'm ready to go to church. And that was the first step for him. And he began to go to church. And then over time, he finally made a public declaration of his faith in Jesus and got baptized. And the little girl's faces was just so amazing because their love for their uncle made a difference in eternity. Ah, oh, brothers and sisters, if these four-year-old twins can do it, so can we, so can I, or so can I. And, and I just pray that this morning that we would have the courage to do the same, to go and to share in word and deed our heart for others because our actions matter. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much for this morning. And God, I thank you for just the encouragement of Olivia and Elise and their love for their uncle. And God, I pray that you would inspire us to have that same kind of love for our neighbors and our friends. God, would you make the words of 1 Peter come alive to us, that we wouldn't respond when we are hurt, but we respond in love. And will we share our faith these next couple of weeks as we look towards Easter, to be inspired by your love, to experience your love and, and to be inspired to share it with those who are around us. And so Lord, I pray that you would give us courage and hope and will we be the kind of people who walk differently in our world. God, give us courage, give us strength, and give us your love this week. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, thank you so much for being with us here this morning. I am so grateful to be here with you. May you have a blessed week and may you go in God's grace and his strength and may you experience his peace today. Be blessed.